I call it dancing in the discomfort zone. It's not only believing that we can, but it's believing that we're gonna screw it up. And when we do, we'll figure that out too. Hey everyone, it's Angie Wachowski, New York Times bestselling author of Spark, Bet on You, Leading from the Front. I learned a lot from my experience in the Marine Corps. That's really how I learned to lead. And that's the source of inspiration for my work. And I'm so excited to share these leadership tidbits, these life leadership lessons with you. I am so excited to be the host of Bet On You podcast because I get to bring the coolest people I know into the conversation who can share their light, their wisdom, their perspective, as we all transition and focus more on betting on ourselves. In Bet On You, um, and in my keynote, in my work, in my workshops, I talk about the three C's of risk-taking, getting clear, getting confident, and getting courageous. And I have an amazing guest today because she's going to talk about just this process of change, because really, that's what we're doing when we're betting on ourselves. We're enacting change in our life. And so what process can we follow? And Bonnie, and you're going to hear her and you're going to like, whoa, that is like high octane energy. And it is. And she's such a motivational person, not just like a motivational keynote as she is, but man, her life story really brings me along and recognizes, gosh, that anything is possible with the right focus, commitment, and really understanding the method in which to enact change. That's why she's here. She's going to talk about the three Ps of enacting change in our lives, how to really understand what our problem is that we're trying to address, how to create a plan for change, and then really the last P. Well, I'm going to let you hear it from her because it is kind of a startling surprise, but I think you'll really like it. So excited. So hang on there for a second, folks. And welcome to Bet On You podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, Angie. Thank you. I am excited to have you. Before we jump in, because you have a compelling, inspirational, amazing message on change. But before we get there, tell us a story about you. <laughs> so I was born on a warm day in July in 1973. No, um, I, you know, I we've moved a lot. You know, as a kid, my dad worked for Marriott. And so we moved overseas. I lived in Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Greece and continued to be a gypsy throughout my adult life, uh, not only geographically, but also professionally. I started out as a special ed teacher and then I trained animals for a while. I trained seals and sea lions at the aquarium in Boston and then uh, birds of prey at the uh, Arizona Sonora Desert Museum down in Tucson, like cool job. Um, and then decided I needed a big kid job with upward mobility and all that. So I answered an ad in the newspaper in 2002 for a little sports apparel company nobody had heard of called Under Armour and worked there from employee number 80 until for about 10 years, uh, then continued corporate until finally I was like, ah, this is draining my soul. I'm going to quit everything and move into my parents' basement at 42 years old and start a business that I know nothing about. And that was eight years ago. And now I'm a successful speaker. <laughs> I think that is possibly the best summary of somebody's career history <laughs> that I have ever heard in my life. I'd like to go back to the parents' basement, though, because we have had a lot of people who've had to do that move. Was that like a humble move? into your parents' basement? Was this a necessity? Was this, my parents really need me around? Or were you like, no, I just need a solid platform to plan yeah. and get my next step? Yeah, no, they didn't need me at all. It was, uh, it was, you know, I lived in New York City. I was starting this business and I said, you know, this is one of the most expensive cities in the world. Maybe when we're dropping our big fat corporate income, 
we could cut some costs. Um, so it was purely a, hey, dad, uh, can I move into your basement and start this business? Fully expecting to make six figures within the first three months and move out, you know, uh, which didn't happen. In fact, I ended up working at the Olive Garden. Um, so the actual leap, you know, putting all my furniture and my ego in storage to move in with my parents as a grown up um, wasn't the challenge. It was about six months later when I ran out of money and wasn't where I wanted to be yet and said, I need to go get a job. Um, and I, I need to quit this silly speaking thing. And something inside me said, no, no, you don't. You need to go get, dole out some salad and breadsticks and, and uh, work at the Olive Garden and make this work. And so I, I did. And that was when it got terrifying. <laughs> Because you I hope never to work in restaurants after college, I you know, read, you're like, I am grown up now. I read your LinkedIn post about the resiliency, but ultimately, yeah. too, the ability to see your vision through, because there's a reason why you went to the Olive Garden versus going back to the corporate. Like you could have pulled that like parachute, you know, that safety chute at any single time. But you said no. What was that compelling vision for you? It was, it was looking on LinkedIn, looking on Indeed, thinking about going back to work and giving up on this thing that I'd, I'd committed to. Um, it, was, it forced me to say, wait a minute, is there another way? Is there another way that I can make this work? Is there another way I can keep trying at this? Because again, it was only six months in um, and, it, and it takes a while. So it was that maybe there's another way and, and that creative problem solving, you know, I mean, I, and this is one of the things I tell my audience, question your assumptions. You know, my assumption in that moment was this isn't working. I still live in my parents' basement. I made $2,500 that first year. <laughs> um, I need to go get a job. Yeah. I need to go get a real big kid job again and just do it. And that was an assumption I was making. And I said, wait a minute, stop. I'm going to question those assumptions and say, is there another way? I can make this work. Um, and it took oh, humility. <laughs> like I said, um, I shoved my ego to the back of the storage unit and went and, you know, served a lot of fettuccine Alfredo, but it allowed me to keep plugging away at this. And now I'm way better than I was in when I was working for corporate. So life is good. And yeah, again, successful keynote speaker, motivational speaker, facilitator, trainer, corporate developer, all these amazing skills that you have had, um, I can't even imagine, had you not been willing to bet on yourself. It's easy to say, I'm going to bet on me when the path looks like laid out for you, or maybe even those first few days. It is hard to bet on yourself when you're so like, nice. my back is against the wall here, but I'm going to yeah. double down on me. And if you're listening right now, I am sure you've got an amazing dream, amazing goal, this uh, compelling vision for yourself. And it might not be quit your job, change your life. It could be, you know, change your mindset. And you are all about, Anne, helping people change. So whether it's change their context or change their mindset or find greater joy in their life, maybe even change their Saturday routine. So instead of going to their child's event that they go to every week, Go get a manicure. Like you help people change. Can you talk a little bit about your passion and enthusiasm for helping people change? I help people get manicures, Angie. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, passion for helping people change. You know, so often we get stuck in a paradigm and we get stuck in a, I'm not a quitter. I'm not a job hopper. I'm not somebody who gives up. I'm not, you know, and so often it's not a giving up. It's an evolution. 
You know, I, I think we don't allow ourselves to evolve through our lives. I mean, you heard my career path. I don't recommend that many changes for everybody. <laughs> and everything I learned in every single one of those jobs led to success in the next one and success where I am now. I didn't quit anything. I evolved. And I think we forget as we're on what I call the porch of the comfort zone about to make a big move. And as you say, bet on yourself as we're standing there terrified, we forget how good we are at figuring things out. We forget to think about what if this goes right? You know, we, the, there's a voice in our head that I call the little elf um, that, that tells us all the things that are going to go wrong. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, what if this goes right? And remember all the things that we've figured out in our life. And it makes it a lot easier. And so I just want people to know that. I think about that, like, again, if I was driving to a job interview and had a flat tire, I could figure that out. If lunch didn't come today for this big fancy meeting, we could order pizza. We can solve yeah. problems, apply that same creative problem solving to our life circumstances and give ourselves yeah. a little bit more credit in that arena, which requires confidence. Like it's having yeah. that confidence to believe that you can. And I think the methodology, the process that allows you to sort of enact change. Can you talk about the three P's? Well, and I think it's too. not only believing that we can, mm -hmm. but it's believing that we're going to screw it up. And when we do, we'll figure that out too. Like it's not, I, I call it dancing in the discomfort zone. It's not this nice, smooth, straight path that leads from where we were to where we want to be. It's this messy, dirty, muddy, dark, foggy, scary, <laughs> winding road that we figure out. You know, and so it's like taking that move. I call it punching it, Margaret. Punch it, Margaret, you know, or punch it, Chewy, if you're a Star, Star Wars, Wars fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's taking that action and doing a thing because you're not going to be able to see the whole path through the discomfort zone. But if you look down, you're going to see one step. Maybe it's asking a question. Maybe it's researching something online or signing up for a class or I don't know what it is. It's, it can be a tiny little move. But by taking that move, we're gonna be able to see the next move and the next move. And while we're dancing in the discomfort zone, while we're acting, not only are we not standing on the porch peeing our pants because we're terrified, but we're learning. And we're learning and we're growing and we're figuring things out. And that not only builds your confidence, but it helps you move towards that, that new comfort zone way on the other side of the dark and foggy path a lot faster. What do you tell yourself when you're in the discomfort zone personally? Like you've been there before and what are the words you tell yourself when I'm, you know, you're dancing naked in the rain, dancing in the discomfort zone, being in that place of self-doubt because you don't, you can't see the next step, um, insecurity because you're measuring your success against everybody else around you and not looking there, not, you know, having a really hard time seeing within yourself. What are some of the words that you and Bonnie tell yourself? Damn it, Anne, you did it again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I heard somebody once say, my current self set makes beds for my future self that my future self really doesn't like. And it's that you find yourself in the middle of the discomfort zone, in the rain, you look down, you ain't got no pants on. What do I tell myself? Um, I say, what's the next move? What's the next step? Because it's so easy to get caught up in the where you're not yet, you know, where, where you want to go. I, I I like to look back and see how far I've come and be like, all right, I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I got a long way to go. I'm doing it. I like to remind myself of that, but I also like to say, all right, stop thinking about the giant picture. Stop thinking about the new comfort zone that's somewhere off in the distance. I don't know where. 
and start looking at what's just the next step. What's the next thing I can do? And if I don't know, who might know? Because that action shrivels that anxiety that we get all wrapped up in. And then we're able to continue that forward momentum um, rather than shirking back to the old comfort zone where it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And it's funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking about the concept of like literally just turning one page. You don't have to read the whole book, but you have to turn that one page. And I had a friend in college we used to call bookmark because he could never turn the page, you know, stuck in like 1990s fashion, still going to the bar when you're 29. Like it wasn't, you know, it's got to turn the page at some point to keep the story going. I know that great. What's his name, Mark? Because that would be even better. No, I wish it was. I won't say his name, but he knows who he is. (laughs) Okay. The three P's. Problem, plan, punch it, Margaret. I love Hmm. all of that. And I want to know more about this Margaret person. But so I am sitting right now in my world. I am unhappy. I see you, Anne. I hear you, Anne. Like, take one step. But but before I take a step, tell me about the criticality of identifying the problem that I'm in or the circumstance. Yeah. And and a lot of people mistake what that means when I say identify the problem. It's not what's the problem I need to solve. It's what's my problem with this. Why is this scary? Why is this? Why am I so nervous about this? What's going on? Because when we stop and recognize the feelings we're having, we move the voice in our head from our reactive part of our brain that's just trying to keep us alive mm-hmm. around to the logic part of our brain that can actually think and remember what a badass we are and can actually come up with some solutions and have a conversation with that reactive voice. So by saying, all right, hold on a sec, I'm terrified right now because I'm in my parents' basement and I don't have a job and I don't know what to do next. I'm terrified because I want this to work and I care a lot okay, cool. What can I do? Right? So by just stopping and naming the feelings about it, it kind of makes you go, well, cool. It's because I care because I want this to go well. Huh? And now the thinking part of your brain starts activating. Now you can move to that second P, which is make a plan. What can I do? And again, for some of you, and I am one of you that likes to see the whole path before we start taking steps, (laughs) This is going to come as a very uncomfortable recommendation, but you got to move before you see the whole path. Look down, see a step, take it because action shrivels that anxiety. And that's where that punch it, Margaret comes in, um, where you got to take that action and it's scary. And that's why I say it funny, like punch it, Margaret, because it's That's the scariest part is getting moving. It is scary. I had a podcast guest on, um, probably you may know her, Lisa Max Bauer Price. She oh, had yeah. this wonderful phrase called messy momentum. And I felt like that was so liberating because we read so many different, I don't know, articles, commentaries about the pristine habits of successful people. And then we compare ourselves to them and you're like, well, I don't even want to drink green juice. I'm a hot mess. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I And I don't want to wake up at 4.30 and I don't want to biohack and I don't want to monitor my glue. Like, I don't want to do all these things, but I, but I do have dreams and desires. So I love like the punch it. It's like, okay, well, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just and it going. won't be. Even if you think it is and you want it to be, it, it won't. Stop making that expectation. Because <laughs> again, like you said, it's liberating, right? It makes us go, okay, this is going to get messed up and it's going to be terrible and I'll figure it out. Let's go. How do you deal 
with disappointment? How do you deal with just upsets? Like, talk to me if you have like a plan, like a plan for failure. I know in, in my book, Bet on You, we, we write about that. Like, you're going to have to expect that it's not going to work out the way, but just have a plan when you get punched in the face. <laughs> like, <laughs> so how do you deal with disappointment? I mean, you are a high energy enthusiast. It's contagious. And it's honestly, I feel like I'm like trying to match your energy and I can't keep up here. Um, but but even, you know, again, you've, you've learned all these lessons, but what are some of your rituals for dealing with disappointment and failure? You know, it's the cheesiest thing I'm going to say on this whole show. Oh, I love it. Um, keep it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going for it because it's so true. And it's saying, OK, cool. What's the lesson here? What can I learn from this? Because the only way it's an actual failure is if you don't learn anything from it and you shirk away from stuff because of it. Right. If you can learn from it and say, and again, it is so cliche and I'm sorry, but it's so true. If we can learn from something and move forward and say, okay, cool, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna do that again. I also remind myself that nobody else actually has it figured out either. I remind myself that all those people on social media who look all perfect, they're not, they're a hot mess like me. All those biohacking people who say that they only eat the kale every day, it doesn't happen. They have ice cream too, you know? And by reminding myself that in a self-righteous way, I feel like I'm not as big a hot mess. I have a giggle and then I take the next step. Well, so when people come to you, which I have no doubt they flock you after your events and they share with you their stories, what are some of the common changes folks are seeking to enact in their life? Like what do, what do people, do you feel if there's just some commonality around changes that people want to make? What do you often hear? Yeah, the big three are job changes, relationship changes, um, and um, like wanting more education and wanting to do more, bigger, I guess that would fit under job change a little bit. But those are the mm -hmm. big ones and the big life changes that um, that take a lot of fortitude and that take a lot of shifting and moving a lot of pieces that are really comfortable. You know, like I know what's gonna happen in this job. I wanna, you know, but I really wanna be a barista and I wanna own a coffee shop and I wanna, you know, create an environment where people can co-work and blah, whatever. It's those big changes that people usually come to me talking about, though, in all honesty, some of the mindset changes and behavioral communication changes that are having to happen at work right now um, end up being part of the conversation when I'm in leadership workshops around change is how do I get my team to embrace the changes around how we're interacting with each other and creating belonging and and leading to the new generation versus the old generation, the way we grew up with it. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting dichotomy of what we think we want versus what is also causing a whole lot of fr friction in our lives. I think you brought up something really important too. these mindset shifts and changes, especially about how we work. I think that that's part of the biggest tension my clients are experiencing right now. Hybrid work environment, flexible or return to office, all of these things and just being able to suspend, you know, just suspend the investment in your own point of view and just be open minded could possibly be one of the biggest shifts and changes that we all can make whenever we're going right. through something significant. Well, and that's one of those things that isn't like a big change. So it's not, so, I mean, it is a big change, but it's not like one of those that that gets all the, the spotlights. 
but it causes a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration and a lot of resistance, even for people who are normally very much into like big changes in life, like getting a new job or whatever. And you just had a big change. You moved not too long ago. You've moved how many times? And I mean, that could be somebody's biggest fear is moving different geographies. <laughs> You've moved how many times in your life? My biggest fear is staying in one place. Uh, 28 <laughs> times in my life to four different continents. Uh, and I was living in Michigan near you. Yeah. Uh, as of last June, I packed all my stuff in another U-Haul and moved to Florida because I was cold. You and everybody else, man, I'm there with you six or seven years from now, that exactly. And so what have you learned about just the nature of change in your life's journey beyond what you're sharing with us today? Like, yeah, what, what have you learned? Like, what are some of those big lessons for you? It's a whole lot scarier in theory. When we're sitting on the couch thinking about it, it's a lot scarier than we when we actually start doing it. Um, the, the leap, the getting it started is the hardest part, but once we're in it, it's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. We're doing this. Um, obviously the per perseverance is a challenge, but I think that's the biggest thing is that people, even though they're so excited about the possibility, it's that getting it going um, from the couch. That's the hardest part. I agree. It's the ruminating on your emotions of why you're afraid. It's just like, yeah. just jump in the pool. Just get in the pool. And, and I'm not saying there's not a place for like, sit back, think, plan, like think it through, <laughs> make intelligent jumps, but make the jumps probably before you've gone exhausted all of the thinking that can be done and all of the worrying. Just go. Yeah. Don't treat your Start life your like 90 day fiance. Be a little bit more thoughtful and intentional around your big life decisions, right? Thank you for bringing up my second marriage. <laughs> <laughs> And Vani, how can our listeners learn more about you? How can we follow you? How can we gain more of your inspiration? I know you've got a podcast, you've got a book. Tell us all about the cool things that you're doing. Tell you about all the things. Your Change Speaker is my website, so you can get to everything from there. Dancing in the Discomfort Zone is the podcast. Um, so that's what that is. I have a blast talking to people about things that are uncomfortable. Anything, you know, because I think the more that we embrace uncomfortable things, the better we are at embracing the things that we can't control that are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I like to jump into those conversations. Uh, two books, Get Over It and Get Them Over It with tips on dealing with change. Uh, give couple laughs. It's on Amazon and pretty much everywhere else. So if you want that, you can go get that. And um, Speaker Ambani is uh, the Facebook and the Instagram. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your light and your energy and your enthusiasm and your, I always say ultimately like the passion for the potential in others. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for seeing that. That's what that's, that is what I do. You know, I love that. I love helping people get over it. <laughs> oh my gosh, friends, was that not high energy? I swear, I promised you high octane and she does not disappoint. Her events are just like that. And you can see why she's being called as a speaker all throughout the country and in virtual sessions too. She just brings it. And the things that she brought me from a lessons learned perspective, I've got three pretty good takeaways here. I think the first and foremost is that when you are afraid or scared or nervous or have anxiety around enacting change in your life, label 
that emotion. Like get smart about how you're feeling. If you can put a label on it, you can deal with it. You can, you know, identify with what it is that you're dealing with and you can get a plan. So if you are you know, nervous about spending the money on investing in your education, or if you're anxious about asking for a promotion, just be able to, okay, what is it that I'm feeling? How do I get a plan to work around this? The second thing that I pulled away is just kind of question your assumptions. I think that's something that we've been talking a lot about our podcast guests with. It's like we assume certain things, but maybe for a second, suspend our belief and be open-minded about the opportunities um, in front of us and stop thinking worst case. What if the great case happens? Give the great case an opportunity to get some airtime. Entertain your mind with just the glories of success if it goes your way versus the catastrophizing of all the bad things that could happen if it doesn't. And besides, the catastrophizing of all the bad things that happen, they probably aren't going to happen anyway. The final thing, oh, I got a guest host here. Um, that's Sully, my dog, by the way. Sully, he's all about change. He's all about me changing that empty bowl of his into a full bowl of dog food, which will happen, buddy, in just a few seconds. But the final thing I want to get us all thinking about is if you find yourself metaphorically, hopefully metaphorically, peeing your pants on the porch, you know what to do get off the porch. Your future is off the porch. Get off the porch and do what you need to do. It has been a great time being here with you all. And I just want to remind yourself, AngieConnect.com. AngieConnect.com, not only do I give you access to all previous podcast links there, but we have a ton of events. I've got a blog that publishes weekly, a newsletter that comes out weekly. You are not alone. I am here for you step-by-step on your bet on you journey. I'll see you soon.